I don't know exactly. Well, don't shrug your shoulders. I don't know every fucking detail, right? How many episodes have we done of this for us? Very almost. The first time I've had to take a new page on the notepad. <laughs> Oh, right, okay, hold on. I'm feeling a twist coming on. <laughs> there are loads of really good picks in there. In the same way as if you give an infinite amount of monkeys infinite time, they will write the work of Shakespeare. Welcome to the most hotly anticipated episode of the Build a Bond podcast to date. I'm Stuart Morrison. And please welcome my co-host, it's not Fraser MacArthur, it's fact-checking royalty, Taggy Checks. Hello, hello. Hi, good evening, Stuart. What a pleasure it is to see you again. Matthew, great to see you again. Nice to have you on the show. Now, there's a very special reason why it's yourself and not Fraser uh, I'm introducing today. What's going on? Well, I'm not sure who this Matthew is that you referred to. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, yes, we do. We do indeed have a, a very special show lined up. Um, I feel like I'm just sort of slowly wig- wiggling my way further and further into the, the Build-A-Bond franchise. Um, I've been on as Taggy Checks, just doing the checking. I've done a, a stand-in before and now, you know, honoured to be part of this very, very uh, special episode. Yeah, so I'm not lying when I say this is one of the most hotly anticipated episodes. We get asked all the time. Oh, Stuart, Fraser, when are you going to do your own episodes? And that is exactly what we're here to do today. We have coming up our very special guest. is a familiar face. It's going to be for us. It's going to be Fraser MacArthur picking his dream James Bond film. Same rules apply. Woo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Finally, the fans are going wild. Same rules, as always, uh, Fraser is going to pick his Bond actor, his co-star, villain, director, theme song, and of course he's got AOB as well, any other Bonds. And as always, even for this special episode, there are absolutely no rules. He can go absolutely crazy. I think, I don't know what you think, Taggy, the, I think he'll stick to like a makeable film. I think he's got like a filmmaker's mind, so he'll, I don't think he'll go too crazy. I think he'll make a film that, that could be made today. I don't know what you think. I don't know. Well, see, I wanted to ask you because obviously for you and Fraser, um, having started up the Builder Bond podcast, I thought I thought you guys must know what each other's Builder Bonds are going to be. So I wanted to check before he, he comes in. Do you know what he's going to be picking or have you got a rough idea? Well, the thing is, he said, and you know, before Builder Bond was a podcast, it was just a conversation me and him had in the pub like from time to time so I know like sure, the yeah. names he's thrown around and I know on the podcast he said a few things about like who he might like to play Bond and who he might like to direct I think maybe he'll he'll skirt away from what he said before and try to go for something totally new um, yeah yeah so yeah we'll, I, I see I, I agree. I think um, he's from from speaking to him just over the last few months, and he's, he's dropped a few names into previous episodes. But I don't think it's going to be anything like what he's mentioned because he's said to me um, that he thinks that the, the 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 choices he makes for this one are going to be so shocking, so utterly devastating to us that we just will will never see it coming. So I think what we should do is just act totally. Un, like nonchalant, totally bored by his best, <laughs> just to annoy him. Ooh, <laughs> oh, <is> that right? <laughs> so, yeah, just moving on. Like, just, like, as soon as he tells us he's Bond, like, just instantly asking for who his villain is. 
<laughs> but Honestly. no, it's um, it's um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think he's been looking forward to doing it for a long time, and he has kept his cards close to his chest. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm 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 chuffed to to hear what he's what he's got to say. Yeah, cool. It's um, and let's be honest as well. Looking back over the the, the kind of first three series we've done. There have been times when he's been quite rude to our guests about their picks. <laughs> so I'm going to say now, I am not going to hold back. If I don't like his pick, even in fantasy, even if I do like his pick, I am going to lay it into him. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I like because <laughs> usually it is pretty much good cop, good cop because you don't want to offend the guests. You don't want to, you know, um, burn any bridges or future, you know, potential relationships with them. Um, but yeah, that certainly doesn't apply to tonight. Um, I think we need to just give give him both battles, and uh, yeah, not not be worried about um, any offences caused because I'm sure that's what what he would want and exactly what he would do if the um, if the roles were reversed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The gloves are off, as you yep. say. <laughs> we've known Fraser for a long time. I've known him for over. 10 years now and I've lived with him or shared a flat with him for probably about half that time. I know him pretty well. You've worked with him and you know him pretty well. Have you got any funny stories, any good memories of, of time shared with, uh, with Fraz? Well, you know, so much time spent. Um, me and Fraser obviously worked together on uh, Homes Under the Hammer and spent a lot of hours um, together out on the roads, um, so a lot, a lot of stories that probably wouldn't be be fit for the family friendly purposes of this podcast. Um, I could tell you about the time that he basically got an estate agent fired from her job. Other times when he's waited literally out of the window of the car on the motorway whilst moving, um, he claims that one wasn't uh, wasn't alcohol related. But yeah, I think uh, I'm, I, you know you've obviously known. Fraser through his adolescence. Yeah, I'm sure you've got some, uh, some, you know, of some skeletons in his closet. Yeah, totally. And similar vein to you, uh, we knew each other through our university days. There are many, many stories that uh, I'll hold uh, for probably for police interview at some point later <laughs> down, further down the line. <laughs> but I think, and and I have to say as well, and you know, we're not in the habit of being nice to him, but over those years I've known him we've very rarely had any reason to fall out we've gone very well I would say and I'm sure he would agree there was one time that I remember where probably I've come the closest to like physically killing him uh, which was <laughs> a number of years ago we went on holiday together we went to uh, Ukraine to Kiev together to uh, watch the Eurovision Song Contest um, which is a really good trip and in fact even that trip alone there are a million stories I could tell uh, both good and bad about both of our antics on the trip but there was one moment right at the start and the arrangement had been that I'd, I'd arranged the, the flights I'd booked the flights and stuff and it was and Fraser was arranging the accommodation and we arrived in Kiev and we, we went into the, the, the taxi rank or whatever and he had on his phone the, the address of the accommodation that he'd booked I think at Airbnb or something and he showed it to the taxi driver and the taxi driver was like are, are you sure are you sure? <laughs> Is this right? And the person was like, yeah, 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 I think that's right. And he's like, okay, if you're sure. And we got into this taxi and then we were driving and driving and driving. It was just like, it's kind of like dirt track in this forest. And then what? taxi driver let us out and then immediately like drove away. And we were just in this like forest in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, 
I'm going to kill you if if like we're not killed by like some like Ukrainian uh, I don't even know. And then but when he got there and dropped us off, he like the wheel spin drove away and just left us in this in this forest. Eventually, it turned out that that it was actually it, it was right, and there was like this kind of Airbnb wooden hut in the middle of this forest that turns out uh, uh, was really nice and and, and Fraser had, had had come good and sorted us out a really good. Uh, accommodation and it was an amazing trip but in that moment as that, that taxi pulled away in that forest i thought this is the end of our, this is the end of our friendship <laughs> i'm sure there'll be many many more uh, st- stories to come in the future and i'm sure fraser will be i will, will love to for us to discuss them on the, the 10th year anniversary of build a bond <laughs> yeah i look forward to that uh, i'm looking forward to this episode i can't wait to bring him in and get chatting before we do though it's obviously tradition on the podcast to uh, ask a little bit of a quiz question. Mm-hmm. So as this is a, a Fraser MacArthur special episode, the question is, who is Fraser's favorite actor to have played James Bond? Now this has oh. been revealed on the podcast before. So keen listeners, let us know. Build up on 007, Twitter, Instagram. Taggy, this is a big, che- a big test as to whether you're yes. listening properly. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that is a great one. I've got, you know, I've, um, I'd say I'm eighty percent sure that I think I've, well, I've got a name that's jumped out to me. So I, I'm thinking I'll go with that, but I'll maybe do a wee bit of. Uh, let me get my old taggy checking hat back on, and um, I'll come back to you at the end. Okay, fantastic. Anyone listening at home, as I say, let us know on social media. Uh, let us know what you think about Fraser's choices as well, and you know, don't hold back. <laughs> Give us the, the the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, and that leaves us with nothing other than to say welcome along to everyone listening and welcome along to our very, very special guest. Our guest this week is a writer and director who has worked on some of the most popular TV shows in Britain. Alongside making his mark on classic shows like Antiques Road Trip, Homes Under the Hammer and This Farming Life, He's also found time to host the soon-to-be-award-winning podcast, Build a Bond. You already know him. You already love him. It's Fraser David MacArthur. Oh, wow, what a lovely introduction. It's very strange being on this side of it. It really is. (laughs) How are you feeling? I'm feeling feeling good. I'm feeling very confident about my my episode to come. Uh, I think you're going to be shocked i think you're going to be not surprised by some of the picks and that goes for both both of you both you and taggy checks uh, i think you'll both of you will come across some picks of mine and you'll go ah oh, yeah yeah i thought he was going to say that but then there's going to be other ones where you'll think i beg your pardon <laughs> and it's- you know i I, th- I think I think this would be a, a a nice experiment for you as well, Fraser, because there's probably been previous guests that have came in with the same confidence and bravado that you have just now, and then <laughs> as they've spoken to real experts and real people that know about film, they've realised that actually maybe they weren't as good as what they they first thought. So it'll be it'll be fun to see how that kind of plays out. It's definitely true that in the past, Fraser, you've not always been as kind and generous to guests on their picks as perhaps you could have been. There's been uh, certain outbursts by you that uh, have been a bit demeaning to our guests. So I hope you're ready for the shoe to be on the other foot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready for it because, yeah, I mean, we all know each other here. We all, 
we can all have a laugh. I mean, as long as we don't take it too far. But <laughs> I think I think Stuart's completely right there. You you have a very um a very visual voice, Fraser, <laughs> and uh, I think the listeners can always <laughs> can always tell from what you say and what you don't say exactly how you feel about certain picks. So yeah, it'll be good to to flip things on you for for this evening. Good, yeah. Um, I actually had a bit of a, a moment before, just before we started recording. I was like, oh my God, this is actually, this is the only, I mean, I'm assuming not, we're not going to do this again. This is the only build one I'm going to get to do, so it better be good. This is probably something you've been thinking about your whole life, even before the build bond days came into it. So yeah, a, a lot of pressure on, on these picks. Mm-hmm. I suppose the first question I have is, are you a Bond fan? Am I a Bond fan? Well, as you can see, just over my right shoulder here, uh, where my finger's pointing here, that's Dr. No from Russia with Love. Go for it. Blah, 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 blah. All the way up to Spectre. I haven't actually got no time to die yet, but all the way up to Spectre. It's right there, the first first shelf of the collection. Like, it's fair to say, yes, I am a fan of the James Bond. And it... Uh... That was obviously very visual for our listeners, um, pointing out the, the layout of your room. Yes, I also I also want to point out to our listeners that this is the first episode where we've all dressed up. True. You're the you're the traditional guy to, to wear your tux, Fraser. We've all joined in, in in honor of your episode. I feel very honored with that. I think as, as soon as the camera came on, I, my heart fluttered with that, and I thought, oh, that's such a nice a nice gesture. Taggy and I are used to making people's hearts flutter with our smart dress, so it's no... Yeah. <laughs> our, smart new... dress, our smart dress and our oversized headphones. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser, I guess, you know, it'll be interesting asking you these sorts of questions um, have, from you being in a position of being the, the, the person posing them for so long, but I guess what is your first memory of Bond would be one of my kind of initial questions just into your psyche? Um... <clears throat> I think my very first memory, as far back as I can go, I remember being, it must have been four or five years old and watching Thunderball on telly. And uh, there's a scene in that with where there's like sharks in a swimming pool. I don't know if you remember. Um, and I, it was very, quite, it was quite gory for a four or five year old. There's a lot of blood and stuff about, uh, and I was uh, sick. I vomited. <laughs> <laughs> with, ex- with, with excitement or just because you'd ate some, uh, some funny, funny fish fingers? Or... <laughs> I, I, it could have been to do with the, the fish fingers, yeah. But I, I, I just always relate that being sick to watching Thunderball. And it's not a bad memory. <laughs> I'm still a fan. I, to, to be fair, when I watch Thunderball, I also feel sick, but that's more based on my <laughs> views of that as, a, as the quality of the film. But uh... yeah, um, I also have got I've got memories of watching Goldeneye on on VHS with my brother. My brother and I used to share a room, and uh, and we used to watch. We were supposed to go to bed at like nine o'clock, and we'd put Goldeneye in at like quarter to nine, and then <laughs> keep watching it until midnight or whatever, and stay up past our bedtimes. But that's always a good memory as well. We could talk about Bond all day, every day. And in fact, we've eaten three series out of it so far. But I'm very keen, and I'm sure our listeners are screaming into their headphones right now. They want to hear your picks. They want to get into it. Um, so let's do that. Let's get into your okay. picks. No, great, great. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, cheers to you, lads. Um, yes, cheers. Clink. And Clink. Uh, I just want to start off by saying that, um, I mean, Stuart, you're... 
you're more of an expert, I'd say, although Taggy, you, you, know, you know this podcast inside out, but I just need to know first, are there any rules in this? Well, myself and Matthew sat down beforehand. We had around a, a about an hour long meeting before the call, uh, just talking through what we thought would be appropriate rules and what we thought would, would, would make the uh, kind of a fair fight uh, for the podcast. And what we did in the end is decided that for this episode, we are going to go with uh, no rules. Okay, right. perfect, great, cool. Because if there were ever any rules to this, I was going to be throwing them out from the very start, okay? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before I even give you my Bond pick, I've decided, most people make a Bond film out of this, right? Mm-hmm. I've decided not to make a Bond film. Oh my I'm God. making an eight-episode Bond TV event series. Chris, let's just uh, let's pause the recording here. Um, Chris, you're aware of the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is this, well, is, hey. is, is, is this is this true? Is this true? This is, is going to be. This is true. Yeah. Is it... I mean, I'm not going to get into all the detail. I've not written eight, you know, hour-long scripts or anything. But this is going to be, it's going to be released in probably in cinema and on TV at the same time. Um, <laughs> Okay. So and you'll it, have the and it'll be it'll be over the course of a year. There'll be like eight different episodes. And are these like hour long, like kind of more like sort of TV show type things, or are they kind of like um, you know longer <clears throat> longer form TV movie kind of things? I think I mean they won't be TV movies. They won't be as long as that, but it's it's an event series. So, it's a t- what, what he said was it's an eight episode television event series <laughs> yeah. So, suppose, yeah. What, so whatever that means <laughs> I mean hour long yeah it doesn't matter how long it is really you're kind of you're not limited by stuff like that anymore in tv so did you have a thought about uh which streaming service would be a good home for it um maybe all of them or maybe we'll start a new one yeah start a new one definitely okay Start Bab, James Bab, Bond. Bad flicks. <laughs> so, so there we go. His, his, his very first pick is one that's already completely, you know, ripped up the rule book. The, the non-existent rule book, which was was never there to begin with. The and easiest rule book uh, to rip, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the hardest. <laughs> um, yeah, he's already completely flipped it on its head and created a whole new category. Oh, my goodness. You've, you've, I completely turned things around and changed how this podcast could work for the future. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> And as, as my question is, before we get into the details, are is it is it like a, um, a consistent across all episodes? Is it going to be the same cast and a continuous story arc, or is it going to be what do you call that when it's when it's like each episode's a, a kind of different thing, like an anthology? Yes, is it an anthology? No, no. Or... It's uh, yeah, consistent across the eight episodes. We've got one Bond, same cast across the eight episodes. Okay, and what I mean. We're limited in time, really. <laughs> Don't want to be here all night. <laughs> this is the when first you... of eight episodes that we're going to record with you. So when when you said across a year, do you mean as in it's over the course of like our, a viewer's year, there would be eight episodes released over the course of that 12 months? Yeah, exactly. So the first one would come out, say, 3rd of January. The next one would be, well, you know, divide the year up by eight. The yeah, next we're, one's we're, like how, we're familiar with how years work, Fraser. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for talking us through that. And, and that would include in the cinema as well. 
Yeah, so I'm thinking, I mean, it's all part of the experience, isn't it? You know, the, the cinema experience with Bond is very important, I think. And I think that's why there's, I mean, there's been rumours of a Bond spin-off series happening and people aren't taken very kindly to it. And I think that's pr- partly because it would it would take away from the cinema experience of Bond. If you do make this an event and you put, yeah, I suppose you have to commit and you have to see all of them for it to work, but... Maybe maybe you can buy a season ticket or something for, for it to work. That was going to be my next question, Fraser, because I know that you are an ardent defender of cinema, of going to this, the, 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 the event of going to the cinema and you love everything about it. What, you know, what was your thinking behind moving it away from that in a way? Um, I think it was part, partly to do with, I, as much as I love cinema, I also love event television. And event television is very much a dying art there's not really much of that around anymore, other than say Eurovision or you know the Champions League final or. I, I was gonna I was gonna ask the question, Fraser, because event television isn't something isn't a, an expression I've ever heard before. For so for for the listeners that maybe don't know what you're talking about, what exactly are you talking about? It's essentially something that can't be watched retrospectively, so everybody's got to watch it at the same time. It's like all telly used to be. Now, nowadays you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Before catch up and all that, when literally like the I, okay, I understand, I understand. The, the only kind of recent example or kind of equivalent of that, I would suppose, in the last few years, anyway, would be perhaps something like Line of Duty, where you could physically watch it any sort of time, but because it was such a big national conversation, if you didn't watch it when it was airing everyone went into work the next day around the water cooler if people still do that you know what i mean but you know everyone was discussing it live as it happened same with, i suppose like bake off a few years ago was kind of a bit like that as well it was tv that you had to watch at the time to, to keep up with the kind of the zeitgeist yeah yeah definitely but it would be stuff i suppose love island as well maybe counts as it mm-hmm. um i've never watched love island but it's it's not my kind of thing but you know something something that's big scale like yeah like line of duty or you know doctor who or or I think, you know, now that I'm kind of getting my head around what it would be, I'm trying to think if there's ever been a, a television event series quite like that, where I guess it would be announced at the start of the year and people would watch like a good, I say it's an hour long episode, a good, you know, that's a good, a good long chunk of time. They get to watch it and then they know there's going to be another seven of them to come throughout the year. So by the end of the year, they're going to have it all, but they can't get it right away. You know, they need to they need to wait and have the, the build up. You think of the anticipation and building up to a, a Bond film coming out, a Bond film coming out. It would be like a, a miniaturized version of that condensed into a year. Um so yeah, I think I think I can I think I can get on board with that. I mean, other other comparisons, like I guess, like the the the, the series of Game of Thrones kind of had that vibe about them. It was like must watch TV. Lost, I suppose, was was the last pre streaming that, that kind of maybe met that kind of that scale of the, the level of anticipation about new episodes yeah. and stuff. But but, but yeah. even then, you're not waiting a month and a half in between no. episodes, you know, which is what twelve months divided by eight is. <laughs> and yeah, and <laughs> I am checking that target. <laughs> <laughs> you still got it <laughs> very good okay well first big upset of the episode so far and we've not even got into the picks i love it a lot of pressure then <laughs> on who you've got as your bond because they've got to carry it over eight episodes if they have one clanger people drop off because they're not waiting another two months for it fraser MacArthur, who's your pick to play the character 
James Bond. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you start, Fraser, before you answer, I just feel like we all just need to take a second to appreciate that this is build upon history in the making. No one has ever known who Fraser MacArthur would pick to be this James Bond. The, the question's been asked by multiple guests. We've all been wondering over the years. So I just want us all just to take a second to really appreciate that we're all going to get the, the biggest build bond exclusive in history right now. So please, Fraser, take it away. Okay. Okay. Well, this look, this isn't going to shock you. This is not the, the shocking part. Uh, I've often said, and I've said this on radio, and I've said this on the podcast, that I want my James Bond to be John Boyega. He's the man. He's my man. I think he's talented. He's a strong leading man. He's good looking. He's funny. He brings a, a better humour, I think, to the role, or to a leading man role, than what Daniel Craig did, than what, maybe not Pierce Brosnan, what Timothy Dalton did, than what, Rod, maybe not Roger Moore as well, he was pretty funny, but uh, certainly Sean Connery. Uh, I think he's he's the absolute right person to bring it in to the 21st century. He's a black actor, which I think actually is quite important and was quite important in my decision-making. We've seen plenty white actors portray Bond, uh, and I fear that if another white actor does it, we're just going to get something similar again. But yeah, John Boyega, he's, you know, films like Attack the Block, which is, the, I think, probably the first thing I saw him in, even before Star Wars. Uh, he kind of proved himself in that as a, an action hero. Uh, Small Axe recently. Fantastic, great performance in that, even though it was only one episode. I want, I want to see big things for him in the future. I want him to be my Bond. So that's that's it. It's, it's, it is the one that you, you've mentioned previously, and you're going to stick to your guns. You've obviously thought about it a lot, and you you think realistically that's the, the next Bond, or that's the person that you think should be the next Bond? Yep. I think that's not only the person that should be the next Bond, but he is going to be my Bond in my series. Brilliant. There was much speculation online between me and Taggy beforehand discussing we knew that you had made some public statements in the past about who you thought the bond, next Bond should be so we were wondering whether you would stick with that or whether you might kind of go off piece a little bit and, and go for something different in a way I'm, I'm kind of pleased that, that you have stuck with that because I know how, how obviously how much you would have thought about it and how kind of convinced you are that he's the right man for the job so I'm glad you didn't kind of force yourself to pick someone else just because you'd already said John Boyega in a sense, because I know that you think, you know, really deep down that he's, he's exactly right for the role. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and I also think like the way his, I know there was, there's been a lot of talk about the way his character was treated in star Wars. He was kind of left behind a bit. He was a bit sort of thrown into the backdrop of, of everything in the whole, in that whole trilogy. Um, and I thought he was amazing in the first of that trilogy. And I thought that could have been, something brilliant and then he wouldn't have had to ever even be considered for James Bond because he would have that character in his own right um but yeah I think uh yeah give him the shot come on broccolis give him give him the shot I'm sure he's been considered and the way he talked about his experience in Star Wars and his exp and the way he conducts himself off screen although like he in a way you don't want that to be a factor or you don't want that to be a part of your, your consideration in the modern world it is how you portray yourself on social media and all these other things it is important as to how you're perceived as an actor and i have to say that he's someone who conducts himself incredibly well and he um talks about really important issues 
um, in such an eloquent way. Um, he, he really is someone that uh, I think could hold the Bond role on screen, but also everything else that comes with it. You know, it's it, it's hard to play Bond from an actor's perspective, but it's also hard from like the media scrutiny side of things as well. And I think he he does he conducts himself very well. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I think um, the whole thing with John Boyega being the right age, I think, is really you know a big factor in it because he could. I mean, he's, he's the same age as us just now. You know, he's, he's twenty nine years old, so I, I, I don't have <laughs> don't have the, the the facts in front of me. But I wonder what the youngest Bond that has been played was. But you think you know he must he must be one of the one of the youngest, if not the youngest, to actually come in and do it, and he could potentially take on that mantle for you know. 10 15 20 years you just don't you just don't know you just don't know um and i think it would be a great transition i must say i i, I can't well i guess i guess the question would be what kind of a of a james bond is he fraser because is there's obviously bond has been redefined so many times and john Boyega, i think can be quite tongue-in-cheek I, I don't think i've seen as many of his movies as you have but i'm i'm thinking about that that role that he played in star wars and um I, i'm i'm finding it kind of hard to visualize how we would be as a suave kind of Bond. So can you paint a bit of a picture for me as to what his version of Bond would be? Yeah, I think it would draw a fair bit from that Star Wars character. Um, the comedy of that was maybe a little bit too far for Bond, a little bit too sort of goofy, maybe, for Bond. But that's not to say that Bond shouldn't have a goofy spell, do you know what I mean? I mean, they had a pervy Roger Moore spell, why not have a goofy Boyega spell? <laughs> um but I really like that bit, I and mean, I think it adds a lot to his charm. And I think being that slightly on the back foot, slightly a bit not taking everything as seriously as you might, that's sort of a that's kind of a turn on in terms of getting the Bond girls. I think. I think yeah, you like like his comedy or the, or the, the, the comedy style he might bring to it, or the, his style of humor from the Star Wars films is not in line with what like the style of humor Bond's had before, but Bond's also a contemporary character, right? So the, the reason Roger Moore did his comedy in that style is because that was what the style of comedy was at the time, right? So mm. if you want, you could keep doing that and, you know, great. But, you, you know, it's also worthwhile thinking about bringing it up to date and what the style of, if you think about like the Marvel films, for example, the style of comedy within them is, is much more sort of closely related to, to that. And that's what modern audiences want to watch. Mm. There's a there's a sort of not so much arrogance in him either. I don't mm. I don't think he would have that sort of Daniel Craig arrogance to him, which kind of ground on me a bit by the end of his era. Yeah, yeah. In serious roles as well. I remember it's a relatively small part in in, in a film that's got loads of other really great performances, but in, in the film Detroit from a, mm. a number of years ago, slightly more serious role um, that, that he did really he carried really well. Would he would he be back at the start of his double O journey? Would it be him, fresh face, kinda it'd be James Bond, obviously, and I guess that the whole kind of franchise probably needs this total rejuvenation again, but would it be him like kind of just starting off maybe out in his first year or two in the field? Would he even be a double O yet necessarily? Do you know? Like would he and because I, I suppose that could kind of play into the him being a bit goofier and a wee bit less hardened than <laughs> the bonds that, that we're used to. Good question. But no, I don't want an orange. I don't want an origin story. I want okay. him. Well, for mine anyway, for this series, I want him starting in his sort of mid to late thirties, so he's got the experience under his belt, 
uh, and he knows how to to charm people and and to talk to people around the world and pick okay. up the girls and you know do all that sort of stuff. He can get he can get himself out of situations using his wit. So, so you're choosing John Boyega of the of the future. <laughs> John yeah. Boyega and John Boyega which, in ten years. <laughs> which I think I think is something that hasn't been done before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Another another builder bond exclusive. But just to to separate it. In real life, I want John Boyega now because I want that origin story for Jim for the James Bond series. But for my this James Bond series, my guy is you know ten years from now. Got not you. as much oh, as yeah. ten years, but no, he's yeah, actually, sure. He's actually uh, ten days older than me. Is he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, in many ways very similar people. Um, and, uh... <laughs> po- po- possibly switched at birth. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> It's possible. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think it's a I think it's a great choice. I'm I'm also quite glad that you you've ended up picking that one because you would have had to have a real justification for picking anyone else. And I think uh, I think John would have been really upset if you'd uh, bumped him out at the last minute. So John Boyega, that's James yeah. Bond. Lock him in. Lock him in. Very good. That's uh, not surprising, as you say, but nice to have the chance to expand on it a little bit more you know because people ask you and you go that's my choice and then move on whereas this is beauty of the podcast you have to justify it and i i would say fraser you've justified it very eloquently and we're all on site i've got i've got a feeling that this this um builder bond is going to be an absolute roller coaster because he gave us the curveball and i started making it an, an eight episode tv event series and then he brings us back down with a john Viega. i just don't <laughs> know where we're going next <laughs> well let's go let's keep going um next we have what's traditionally known as the Bond girl. We call it the co-star to give you the full range of options and how you want to uh, do the character. Who, Fraser, are you going to have as your co-star? Well, we know this This is a, an eight-part series, right? So there's going to be more than one co-star Bond girl. But there's going to be, a, there's a main one. And this is the sort of, this is like the, the best supporting actor Emmy they'll get. Uh, Matthew, you won't be surprised at this in the slightest. I'm going for Florence Pugh. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, I think any, anyone that knows you outside of the podcast and probably even people within it um, know that you have a, a somewhat of an obsession with Florence Pugh, don't you? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's an obsession. No, I just think she's fantastic. I think she's the most talented actor that we've got in Britain at the moment and I think she's absolutely killing it and everything that she's in from like Little Women, Black Widow, she was in the Hawkeye series as well, back going back to sort of midsummer fighting with my family. She just kills it every time and she's absolutely astonishing actor who's her on screen cry is sensational. She's not gonna go out with you <laughs> just because you put her in your pod film. <laughs> I know she's not. She's going out with fucking Zach Braff. What's that oh, all about? Bloody Zach Braff. <laughs> if if you could uh, pinpoint an exact moment, Fraser, when you when you really started to have these feelings about Florence, <laughs> could you pinpoint it exactly? I don't know if this is a loaded question. I don't know if you're like a lawyer's question where you already know the answer. <laughs> I have a suspicion <laughs> I might know the answer. But the point in uh, Outlaw King. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is what I was thinking. Yeah. I'll edit that out later. <laughs> yeah. 
Is it, is it the point where you saw oh, the Fully Naked where you first fell in love with her? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the thing is, Fraser, you know her so well because you've seen her in Midsummer. You know, you've seen her at her, you know, when she's sad. You've seen her when she's happy. You've seen her when she's sexy. So you obviously know her better than any of the rest of us do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the question, Fraser, I've been most looking forward to asking you in this episode. Is there a love story? Is there a love story? Yeah, there is a love story. Of course, there bloody well is. We don't get enough love stories in our uh, podcast, I don't think. I, I, Everyone I, always I, wants to shaft James Bond, and not in a good way. Yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, you, the reason I love asking that question, or I want to ask that question, is because you always ask that question, and 90% of the time they say no, they don't want a love story, because, you know, I don't know, sometimes you don't associate Bond necessarily with that sort of thing, but who, the best films are love stories, let's be honest. We're all tough macho men on this podcast you know beer football but when push comes to shove we love a love story yeah yeah definitely um this is this is going to be a love story but the thing is is that uh, and we'll, we'll cover this a bit more on the plot side of things but uh bond and florence Pugh aren't going to meet each other until sort of episode four maybe ish somewhere around about the middle of the series um return of the seth <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere at the at the beginning Florence Pugh's character is going to be the girlfriend of another cast member who we will get into in a bit uh, hold on hold on I've, I've, I'm sorry I've, I've lost track already <laughs> start again so who's your James Bond so they don't meet until episode 4 I take it from yeah. there yeah. But, so, but, she's, but she's in it She's in it from the start. Yeah. Right. But she plays the she's the girlfriend of someone else. Right. We'll talk about right. later. Okay. Um, and she's not very happy. She does a good frowny, sad cry face for the first four episodes. And then her and John get together, and it's a love story all the way out from there. And is she, is she is she just like you know quintessential Florence Pugh? I feel like Florence Pugh is everyone just knows how wonderful she is. Uh, and uh, you know, not to say that she's typecast because she, she obviously does have an amazing range and she can tap into her emotions so quickly and and, and and convincingly. But what what kind of Florence Pugh are we getting here? Is she you know is she typical sort of strong character? Is she timid to start with? Like what what we're we going to get from her? She's um, to start with. She's and this isn't to downplay women in film, but to start with, she's weak and she's good at playing weak. But obviously throughout her, you know, her arc will show her growing in strength as the series goes on and, you know, becoming triumphant in the end. Uh, she's, I mean, I don't, I haven't gone into that much detail, other detail about her character. Is, is she like a spy, something else? Like what, what's her, what, what, how did she fit in the story? Okay, well, so she'll fit in the story. She's the girl, basically she's the girlfriend of a henchman, right? Oh, okay. Who will cast in, in a minute. But, um... And she's also the daughter of one of the main villains. One of, one of the one main of, villains. Did you hear yeah. that, listeners? Did I remember <laughs> that? <laughs> uh, and obviously, at some point, she'll turn, she'll flip. And she's not at the, at the beginning, she's not very happy with being a, a villain's daughter and a henchman's girlfriend. So she'll flip and she'll become good. If I could pick one word to describe that choice... I would say uninspired. <laughs> uninspired. Really? Uninspired? Florence Pugh. 
you know. What 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 makes you say that, Stuart? Please elaborate. Pretty sure a man who's watched every film that's ever been made, every leading lady, every great actor, every great actress, and of that, he went for Florence Pugh. Fine. I was ex- I was expecting more. That's all I'm saying. I like it. I love. I love. I love <laughs> you don't love have it. a real reason, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. To be fair, I do. I do like Florence Pugh. I do think she's good, and I've seen. Apart from the more recent stuff she's done with, is it the Black Widow and and those sorts of things? I haven't seen those side of things, a little women and that kind of stuff. Fine, <laughs> she's fine. I would say. I, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. He's, he's obviously Fraser's obviously stupid, right? <laughs> 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 no, I can't. I, like, I know what you mean. She has, she has, she's very she's very current. You know, she's very current. She's probably as one of the best actresses, um, and you know, working just now in a, at the total, like maybe not even at the top of a game, probably still just like working our way up. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a reason to to discredit the the, the choice. I do think she would be amazing, and and I, it's, I would certainly, whenever I know that Florence Pugh is in anything, I'll go and see it. Um, because all, partly because I think she's great, but also because I feel like she makes really good choices. And the things that she does go and do. So usually the two, like it's it's a double whammy. You know, you're going to go and watch some great acting, but you know that she's chosen it because it's going to be really good, and it's going to have something in it that's really heartfelt or really just you know just something very human about it. And I think that's what a lot of people would like. So she, she if it gets to the stage where she's read Fraser's eight part script and she's she's on board with it, then yeah, you're, you, the people that are going to watch it are going to know they're in for a treat. And Zach Braff's in for a hiding. <laughs> I, saw apologize, I do apologize to my other half because she will be listening to this but uh yeah have to admit as far as celebrity crushes go yeah she's up there so she does um does your your better half um is she aware of your obsession i don't believe so i don't think we've actually discussed that yet no. okay good 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 listen for her then <laughs> very good yes that was uh <clears throat> bond that was the bond girl Girl, that was weird. Get all, get all, get Yeah, brilliant. Okay, we've got Bond, we've got the Bond girl. Where are we going to go? Girl. <laughs> Where are we going to go next? Now you, you you've hinted at it already. There's some relationship between your Bond girl and your villain. Yes. Was your villain an easy choice or was it hard? Um, it's it's one of the first choices that I settled on. And then this was before it was even an eight-part series. And then when it became that, I, I sort of thought, okay, there needs to be a bit more villain activity going on. So th- there's a main villain who's going to remain like faceless and a bit of a mystery up until episode six or seven. And it'll be a big reveal as to who they are. And that's not uh, who you're describing just now. That's not who I'm describing just now, but we'll come back to that much, much later. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't to, I don't want to spoil the spoiler, you know. Uh, but the the one that I thought of ages and ages ago is Mike Reed. Now, Mike, you can tap away on your IMDb's there. <laughs> Mike Reed was most famous for playing Frank Butcher in EastEnders. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and he was also in Snatch as well. Uh-huh. He... Right, go, uh, go on. <laughs> Died maybe about 10 years ago or something. 
Um, but he's just he's got a sort of large sort of kingpin presence. He's got the kind of bald head. He's got the gruff voice. But he's also got a bit of a sort of evil charm to him. He's sort of a London gangster type, very cockney. He's kind of sleazy. You just kind of love to hate him when you see him. And I, that, and I remember as a kid watching him in EastEnders thinking, oh, you're a, you're a baddie, aren't you? But you kind of like him anyway. Sounds a bit like he reminds you of yourself, I suppose. <laughs> Especially the baldy bit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> come back, come back. We've got our first walkout. That's another one. That's another first. This is like a uh, Preston on uh, Nevermind the Buzzcocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I suppose, I mean, if we're talking about Mike Reed, we can't fail to talk about his time on uh, The Bill. Oh. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> I bet he was a villain in that as well, a drug dealer or something. He, of course, played Brian Stevens, uh, unforgettably, in the bill. Of course. Yeah. I, 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 must, I, I must say, is, well, okay, so I guess, first of all, we need to know, you're saying this isn't necessarily the main villain. Paint us a picture of what this villain's role is within the series. Right. So the, the villains across the series, there's a sort of a Rue Irvin-esque syndicate going on. Frank, um, <laughs> Mike Reed is Florence Pugh's dad. So he's the sort of the Cockney, the gruff London wing of this syndicate. Um, also in England, maybe more rural England, we're going to have Lucy Punch as a villain, if you know her, maybe. Oh my God. What was she in Emma Dale or something? She was, <laughs> she was in oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mo- yeah. Motherland, a series of unfortunate events. She, she's good. She is good, actually. Yeah, I take it back, actually. She's brilliant in. Uh... Yeah, series of unfortunate events. She's so good in that. Yeah, uh, and also a comedy recently. She was in Bloods, where she kind of showed a very different side of her. But I just thought she absolutely nailed it. She was she was brilliant, very good. So she's she's the other England part of it. Then there's a a US wing of the syndicate, um, and this po- possibly one of my favourite actors of all time. Actually, is going to be um, playing one of these villains, uh, and that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, who was in Hollyoaks? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course, no longer with us, but in the No Rules world, how is he going to be feeling about being <laughs> sort of cast at the same level as Mike Reed? For example? Yeah, great question. <laughs> great question. I think he's, I mean, I've watched a documentary about, about Philip Seymour Hoffman and he seemed like a, a, he was a very sort of reserved guy and he, he, much like you were saying about Florence Pugh, you were saying, Taggy, about Florence Pugh chose his, his, uh, his roles very particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of always knew that he was going to be picking something that was not only going to be a great role, but was going to be a great movie. Uh, so for this character in this, I'm seeing him as something like, maybe starting off a bit more in the sort of friendly, sort of outlandish side in the Twister character, and then moves on to a bit more evil, becomes a bit more sort of coiled spring, I suppose, in something like Doubt. So how, 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 how do these members of the, the Syndicate 
like how, how do they relate to each other in terms of the film oh sorry not the film the, the series how you know how is it like there'll be an episode in america and then there'll be an episode in the west midlands <laughs> like how, how's it going to work i was just gonna, just gonna say before you answer that fraser i knew if i could have put money on one thing about this episode we would not have got through without you mentioning twister <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean T- twister was the first you guys know this twister was the first movie I ever saw in the, in the cinema and you know I love the cinema it started it off and big Philip Seymour Hoffman is a is a big part of that I mean look at like Capote Capote once you've been to the Capone, you don't leave do you <laughs> yeah the finger of God anyway sorry Matthew asked a very uh, enlightened question yeah so yeah to go back to Matthew's question um <laughs> Basically, all these all these villains have the same boss, right? They're sort of like Spectre, but they're a lot smaller scale. They're they're kind of um they're arms dealers, I suppose, is what is how you would but like a bit somewhere in between arms dealing and drug dealing. Or like or a sort of generic organized crime kind of yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And yes, there are parts set in the UK, parts set in America. Part set in the Middle East and part set in the Far East. Oh God! Do we have a character for each of them? No. I think it's funny that um, the Britain gets split up into Mike Reed and Lucy Punch for two like different parts of England, but then the whole of America is covered by Lucy <laughs> Punch. I have to say, of all those, um, Mike Reed. We've said enough. Won't go onto them, of course, because my favorite pick is, is Lucy Punch. I really, really like that. I only know her as a as a comedic actress. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything um, serious. But you guys, you seem to say that she also does comedy. Like, what what's some of her like? Is, is she good at playing like the straight? <laughs> I don't know about straight. I'm thinking exclusively about. I think the character is Esme Squalor in a series yeah. of unfortunate events. Is <laughs> is genuinely brilliant. Like that whole series actually was so underrated. I don't think it really got the recognition it deserved because it was it was fantastic, and she especially was. Was, was really good in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, she definitely nailed that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think she's she's got it in her. Like, I think I feel like some of her her choices and and roles have been quite safe so far. But I think something like this, she could she could make a great villain, and it would be something not really. Or have we have we seen a sort of that kind of a villain before? Maybe sort sort of like uh, World Is Not Enough, that kind of style sort of luring him in but then trying to kill him and do, do, do all of these um focal points of the syndicate do they have a big ensemble scene where they all get together and they're walking forward in v formation no i don't i don't think we can afford that I don't <laughs> of course they do <laughs> okay, the bond. come on nice okay good i'm looking forward to that episode <laughs> it's logged in they're all just on zoom calls to each other all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, okay, so and then so, we'll reveal we'll reveal the big the big bad. Yeah, and just to find out a bit more about the syndicate. So they're <clears throat> like organized crime kind of gang. Are they like out to get like how does Bond fit into this? Is are they like out to get him? Is he investigating them? What's the kind of vibe? So I've got I have got a sort of plot that runs through the whole thing. Okay. Um, Should we come back to that then? Which we can come back to. Yeah, we can okay. do the other, the rest of the big five. It does sound a wee bit generic so far, Fraser. I must say, it does sound just like there's baddies that are universal, they're across the world, and they're doing bad things, and James Bond's going to go get them. 
a, net, a, net, a network of villains uh, orchestrating across the globe. How did you come up with that? <laughs> but I will reserve judgment until we've we've got into your your plot because I'm hey we'll we'll wait and hear what you've got to say. Good. Um, and this is just another little point, um, but big cast that casting point actually is uh, they're all the sort of senior um, senior henchmen, I suppose, if you will. The 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 main physical henchman is, and this is Florence Pugh's boyfriend. Yep, is Daniel Kaluuya, um, another one of these guys who's absolutely killing it at the moment. Who's I think was the first black British actor to win an Oscar, an uh, acting Oscar. So you're saying Florence Pugh's character has a type. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Daniel Clear, yeah, ec- obviously ec- excellent actor. Um, I, I, he's another person who I don't think I've ever seen anything in him. No, I've never seen him in anything that I didn't totally love. Um, yeah. And he, he, yeah, he kind of looks, he kind of looks like a henchman. Like he looks like I could picture him as a henchman a lot easier than than John Boyega certainly. Well, um, have you ever seen Widows? That's that's what I was thinking. I'm, I'm guessing that you're based in this. I guess I know how much you love Widows, and, and he's yeah. great in that. Also, they can also get out. It was is probably yeah. it was like the one that made him most famous. I guess that was mm. probably still my favorite of his performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely sim- similar to that vil- the, that villain role in Widows. Um, I mean, he's frightening. He's ruthless. Uh, that scene with in the basketball court was really unsettling and really kind of shocking. I suppose um, you can go kind of different ways with the villain, with the kind of henchman, right? You can go like big physical jaws uh that wrestler guy whatever he's called um or you can go for the Dave Batista that's right Daniel Cleo isn't doesn't have that physicality but does have a still a threatening presence you know yeah oh he's he's sharp as attack and he'll he'll strike you down there's been a lot of talk about him playing Bond but I feel Mm. like he would be more suited to a henchman or a villain so so does does Florence Pugh's character does she meet Daniel Kaluuya through a dad, or does she meet her dad through Daniel Kaluuya? <laughs> <laughs> which which came first, the henchman or the the head henchman? <laughs> Do you mean does her dad meet become a, in the syndicate through? I, 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 yeah, yeah, I guess that the question is, is how does what's Florence Pugh's? How does she get involved in the baddies? Is it because of her dad, or is it because of her boyfriend? Yeah, I mean her dad, Mike Reed. He's he's a, a life. A life criminal. He's a career criminal, if you will. And now that he's involved in this syndicate, and the syndicate have hired Daniel Kaluuya as well to be their sort of, I guess, money picker up or their gopher guy. Right, uh, yeah. She's sort of fallen in with him, maybe right. reluctantly, which is why she's not happy at the beginning. Mm. Which is why she's at her lowest, and she's going to get to her highest by the the end of it. As uh, you, something I always like to see, oh, oh, as you know, is, is Barry's turning into goodies. Um, that's as, as a general point, but on a more specific point, as from the viewer's perspective, is Daniel Kaluuya's henchman character, is his relationship with Florence Pugh going to be very kind of black and white, sort of one-sided? He's a henchman, and she's not happy. You know, kind of like old-school sort of like relationships, like and that are portrayed in movies. Or is there going to be a wee bit more, you know, a wee bit more complexity to it? A wee bit of, I guess, a wee bit of empathy for the henchman character, but it's maybe just not working out. I don't know. Like, what, what's their relationship like at the start? I mean, it's definitely black and white. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, no, I think I think we want we want to hate him from the start. We want to know that how he treats uh, Florence okay. Pugh pretty badly from from the get go, or maybe he doesn't necessarily treat her badly one to one, but she, but he he his behaviour with her there is unacceptable. Right, cool. Sort of like a yeah. um, Son and Jin in Lost. No, no, okay. No, because Jen turned out to be a goodie. Daniel yeah, Kaluuya yeah. definitely stays baddie. But what I mean is, like, okay. he, like he wasn't bad to to her, but because of his work, he was doing stuff that she didn't approve of. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. That's my that's my villains. Yeah. So we we're going to pick one villain. We've ended up with one, two, and we three, four, <laughs> and we haven't even got to the main villain yet. Yes. <laughs> the mystery villain. Yeah. This is really milking the format to name as many of your favorite actors as possible. I think, I think, I think when you asked initially, Stuart, you know, which order do you want to do this in? <laughs> and I, I originally thought that's not going to matter, but now I think it really does matter because Fraser's trying to release little bits of information to us without trying to give away the whole picture. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe we should ask Fraser, like, what, what's the next thing that he wants us to ask him? I think I would be keen to, because I think this could be a big giveaway as to the style and the nature of the, I was going to say film, but of course it's a TV event, a TV series event, and that's director, you know, something like this, the director is going to be really important, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's eight episodes, right? So you can't all have the same director. No, for fucks. I've not got got eight directors, don't worry. Uh, I've got four directors are getting two episodes each, okay? And there's reasons behind that. So episodes one and two, uh, someone who I've talked about as being a fan of on the, the uh, podcast before, obviously we've just talked about Widows a lot, uh, Sir Steve McQueen. I think his setups are, are great, his first acts and his, his action sequences get really get the, the story going. Um, and you really, for something like this, you really need to blow it out of the water for the first sort of 10 minutes of the episode. So, yeah, Steve McQueen. Episodes one and two. Let's go through them all and then we'll, then we'll chat. Okay. Episodes three and four is Alejandro G. Iñárritu, uh, one of the big three Mexican directors from about 10 years ago. Uh, Oscar winner. Uh, did Birdman, The Revenant, Revenant. 21 Grams, Babel. Uh, episode five and, five and six, Lynn Ramsey, Scottish director. Um, very dark and gritty at that point. Bit of realism, bit of mopping up the you know character development and everything, bringing it along until episode seven and eight, the big finale, the bombastic, all-out spectacle from Gore Verbinski of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Ring, Cure for Wellness. Lone Ranger fame. Oh, okay. 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 Now, now, normally, right, if you have a big name director, and it happens much more often now, where a, a film director will come in and, and do a TV show or something, traditionally, normally, they'd be like maybe like the first and the last, or like you know, the, 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 this this is very unusual. The setup with four. I mean, obviously, obviously, it's unusual. But what I'm saying is, you know, normally there'll be one big name director who'll come in and, and do the setup and the finale and there'll be other directors who kind of do the, the plot points in the middle, but you've yeah. separated it. So these are different directors who have like a very different feel. So like, would it be jarring to have that? Um, yeah, slightly. It might. I think that they will. I'm hoping that there'll, there'll be 
collaborative with this. They're not going to just stick to their own episode and then not consult the other episodes to see what's happening. There should be a bit of a smooth transition. Uh, stylistically, yeah, they are all very sort of set in their ways, I suppose. They've got their own mark on film and they, they, they do all look quite different. So you're, you're going like, they're going to... Be- they're going to be given like a bit of kind of freedom to, to to put their mark on their episodes. I think so. Yeah. I mean, those, I would, I would maybe say that those are my four favorite directors at the moment. You know what, um, you know what I would say, Fraser? Terrible choices. No, what I think is they're all great choices and they're all great directors. I think it's a cop out by you because you didn't oh. have the bottle to pick one because you love them all. And we all have, you know, that's what's so great about building bond. You have to, you know, settle for one. That- that's how he came up with the eight-part series idea, isn't it? Because <laughs> he was like, right, I'll just have all four of them directing, but you can't have them directing a the film. <laughs> no, no, no. They're just, yeah, they're, they're, they're all, you know, they're all part of it. It's a, it's a big collaborative effort. This has never been done before in history. This is, this is something <laughs> amazing that's coming to television. I guess my worry would be that that might come across as a bit of a gimmick. If there's only eight episodes, I don't know if that's something that would put off. I guess the the the, the hardens, you know, build up. It's not build up, the hardened build up on fans. The, <laughs> uh, the the like you know the 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 diehard James Bond fans. I don't know if they would get on board with it. But then I guess maybe you don't care about getting on board with them. I think no, I would I would get I want I would want Bond fans to be on board. I think I want them to have a, a kind of new experience in in their. Bond worlds and I think this is this is the sort of compromise of you know having instead of having one Bond film every you know four or five years or whatever just whap them all out in, in a winner see what happens it's, o- it's, o- it's only it's only one step away from becoming a, a multiple choice choose your own adventure on Netflix James Bond <laughs> special <laughs> I've um so, well Taggy and I, we flagged our concerns. We're a bit worried about this. The floor is yours now, Fraser. Talk us through each of the directors, why you think they'd be good, what they're going to bring to their episodes. You know, here, here's your chance. Here's your uh, your defence. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, let's start. Steve McQueen, as you know, big fan. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, Small Axe, Widows. Um, and has been... And John Boyega wants to make a Bond film with him. IRL, you know? I think that that partnership will work really well and it will get them off to a flying start. Um, I guess the reason the reason I didn't want one director for the whole thing was due to the fact that it's spread over a year. I think it would just, yes, it would be jarring if it was all to come out one week at a time sort of thing. But I think if you're waiting that amount of time you're you're by the time it gets to episode three you're probably going to want something a little bit different to the first two anyway so yeah moving on Alejandro Iñárritu uh probably my maybe my favorite one of certainly top three favorite films of the last decade was Birdman um I think that was bold I think it was brave I think it was uh stylistically very interesting it was a sort of one the one shot thing character a lot of great character development in there and I think you need that in episodes three and four because by then you know who the characters are they have to they have to be moving on by this point it has to be you know driving the driving the plot and his production designs are great as well they're just I mean look at the Revenant it's just a beautifully shot film where you know every pixel on the screen looks phenomenal 
So something that scale would be great. Lynn Ramsey, I just partly because I really wanted to get a Scottish director uh, and she's one of the best there is. Um, you Were Never Really Here with uh, Joaquin Phoenix was a pretty amazing film. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, Ratcatcher. Um, and yeah, by that point, things... So this is episode five and six, Lynn Ramsey is, is on. So she's at the sort of darkest point, I suppose, of Bond's journey, uh, which works for her because she does very dark and gritty films. So she's going to see him past the point of sort of um, the worst things can be, bringing it all home in a sort of massive, explosive, swashbuckling way, Gore Verbinski, yeah, all out. And then, you know, guides, guides those performances, I guess, through through all of the spectacle and, and and it keeps you rooting for them like beyond the stunts and the car chases and the the action sequences like you still you're still rooting for the characters at the end and not falling foul like they did inspector what i think anyway i mean fair enough but that's a, a journey through your film taste and the sort of films you like and i do i do i can see totally why you why you've gone for this and why you want to bring in all these different styles and, and different kind of ideas to keep it fresh and keep it exciting I am I'm concerned, as I've said, you know, it's quite weird. And I think some of the best TV shows that have, that have brought in like a, you know, a, a big name director and stuff have been, I've brought in one and, and, and they've brought their aesthetic, their style throughout the whole series, which has been brilliant. I'm thinking like maybe like Mindhunter or like the Terror or stuff like that with like Ridley Scott and David Fincher. I also think a little bit like what happened with the newer Star Wars films when they had the, the new trilogy with three separate directors that they brought in and it, it made a bit of a mess basically you know some directors bought in their ideas and, and and wanted themes to continue and then the next director came in and scrapped that and did something different you know what i mean so if you don't get it right it, it can go quite yeah. badly wrong there, yeah well, actually there, 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 i would i would be inclined to, to say it was the same director that started and ended the new trilogy it was jj abrams that did the first and the last one okay yeah yeah but <laughs> with the one in the middle but, sort of standing out yeah yeah but but even then yeah because even by the end of it he has, he's trying to reel it back in he's trying to salvage what he'd started but then someone else had came in but then i suppose if you just don't have the same director coming in at the end it'll be fine <laughs> is what we're saying for this one as long as, as long as there's no repeats yeah you know i, I guess the whole nature of fraser's Bond series is is quite experimental. You know, it's something that is kind of moving into new territory. You know, it's not necessarily something that's been done before. So, I think from a on a personal level, I could definitely get on board. But I think there would be a lot of um, a lot of people that would just um, not watch it and chalk it up to no, that's that's the new new wave TV. That's new wave film. I'm not interested in and in having to get my head around this because it is quite conceptual. And I think that's something that would maybe not appeal to everyone, but the people that it does appeal to would love it. Like they would really, they would go to it and they couldn't wait to see the new director and how the characters look different and how it looks different stylistically. But I think a lot of people wouldn't want to watch that. I would, but I think there, there is people that wouldn't. It's groundbreaking stuff, Fraser. Great. Um, cool. Controversial. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but we carry on. Keep <laughs> So first, you're gonna hate me. First question: How many bands have you got doing the theme song? How many? Theme songs <laughs> <do you have? laughs> oh uh, no! It's like Band Aid. They all come. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've I mean, we've got we've got a different theme song every episode here. I'm just gonna oh, say fuck. I'm I'm just gonna pause here. How many episodes have we done of this for us? Thirty almost. The first time I've had to take a new page on the notepad. <laughs> anyway. 
yeah. theme song. Eight theme songs. I know, I shake your head. I, I realise now that you're, I'm just wasting your time tonight, really. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, just actually, hang out with you for as long as possible. But yeah, yeah eight, you've got eight theme songs. Eight theme songs. Let me run through the names again quickly. Oh, God. Right. Okay. Go. Amy Winehouse, right. Imagine Dragons, Billy Holiday, Tame Impala, Darling Side, Blondie, a new artist unheard of, and I went for the finale, Shirley Bassey. Uh, hold on, I got as far as Imagine Dragons, <laughs> then, and then and then I stopped listening. Um, right, why? What? First of all, why? What? What's the reason? It doesn't need to be. Everything doesn't need to be different, Fraser. All day. Here's here's the thing: when when you introduce your concept of eight episodes, like, cool. This is a cool kind of. I didn't say it at the time, obviously, because I was trying to be mean. But that's a cool concept. I liked it. I thought this is really interesting. I wonder how you know you, you can be creative with that. What it slowly turned into is just eight separate Bond films. Okay, okay, that's not true. <laughs> um, no, but if I had to choose one, if I had to choose one of those, was only you know, was going to do the theme one theme song for the whole series. I'd choose Amy Winehouse. Why is that? Um, I think she is. Uh, I mean, it's quite a bold claim, but I think she is the greatest singer that the world has ever seen. Um, and her, her life was, you know, very tragically short. Um. And I, it's always been a, a thing since she died that I, I wish we'd had more of her. I wish we'd had more Amy Winehouse. And maybe that's, part, you know, partly something, maybe that's why it's so special because we didn't get so so much of her. Um, but I just think, yeah, her, her vocals were just amazing. And even like the likes of Billie Holiday and, and Aretha Franklin and other, you know, other voices like that, nobody's ever matched Amy Winehouse, in my opinion, on that level of carrying a song. Have you ever heard Florence Pugh sing? <laughs> Voice of a Nightingale. Good. good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming so. <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm, I'm list there, great list, and some good artists there. If you know when you said you were going to pick one, I had my fingers crossed that it was going to be Amy Winehouse because I think that's a beautiful choice. And exactly, I agree with you totally. What's I think like? doesn't get the recognition she deserves sometimes sometimes she does like from time to time there'll be a kind of resurgence and you know there was a time when they brought a few documentaries about her life and stuff and there was the kind of resurgence of, of appreciation for her um but that, that is nice in a way you know it, she's not like throwing down your your neck or anything and every so often you'll just revisit and you'll and you'll remember and it's and it, it's kind of it, she's got a nice level i think that if amy winehouse was still alive there's a really good chance that she would have been picked to do one of the Bond themes. And it's, it's, it's sad to think of, you know, what we could have got, because I know neither, well, I know Fraser, I'm not sure about you, Stuart, aren't particularly enamoured with the most recent Bond songs that have been out. And you just think about what could have gone, you know, because Amy Winehouse, like, although she was huge in her time, like, the potential that she could have had in the next decade to come, the next 20 years, and you think about she could really have been part of one of the, you know, the best Bond songs of all time. So it is, it is sad to think, but yeah, I, I definitely think that she would be right up there with like the, the top candidates for coming up with something really, really special. So yeah, I think if, out of all the people that you said, I, yeah, I'm glad that Amy Winehouse as well is your, your top pick. Mm. Her voice is like, because you have good singers, you know, people who on take all the boxes and can sing well you know plenty of them around her voice was 
you you feel her personality through her singing you know you, you even if you didn't know all the everything that was in the media about her struggles and, and everything like that you knew that was happening just by listening to her voice regardless of what she was singing about yeah yeah listen listen to her songs yeah and you do you know her and that's something quite magical I think and you know the song like the song rehab just tells this really tragic story as much as it's a good sort of head bopper it's also like shit like so this is a human a human person going through all this stuff one of the saddest celebrity deaths i think we've had in our in our lifetime we have like, the we have the big five or in Fraser's case the big 25 the big 25 and we're still missing the biggest villain yeah aobs any other bonds yeah. free reign here for us let's go for it a- aobs okay so i've got a, a bunch of extra casting surprise surprise yeah we've got uh m yeah you're gonna love this m played by timothy dalton as he is now Hot, hot fuzz. Well, maybe maybe hot fuzz age. She's probably too old now. But uh, Q is Zawi Ashton. She's Vod and Fresh Meat. And oh, I just wanted to play yeah. that. I wanted to play that exact character because I love that character. Yeah, I find her quite annoying. Do you? Yeah, but I think it's just because it, I only know her as that character in Fresh Meat. Um, I love that character. And I found her quite annoying. But fine. Uh, wait, wait. She's what? She's Q. She's the gadget. She's she's the gadget girl. She's the gadget oh, girl. Yeah, I, I like that. If, if she, if, yeah, if she's playing the same character, she's quite like abrasive, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely very standoffish, very sort of almost like it would be old Q's like granddaughter or something. Yeah. She'd be like quite condescending about like yeah. bonds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like that. Um Money Penny, I've won I've gone for someone here who neither of you will have a clue, but there might be there might be a couple of people listening to this that will know who I'm talking about. Um, it's a, a a guy called Brian Manson, and uh, he was a PE teacher in my school. <laughs> and uh, he was just, he was like a character lifted straight out of, of some dark sitcom. Like he was a very stern and commanding figure. He takes no bullshit. He, you know, thinks, he, he, had, he had this thing of, thinking for about a minute before he said a word uh and he you know his examples of how to do the various sports and stuff it was always hilariously just so funny and scary at the same time so I thought have something completely different from Money Penny something you're totally not expecting have him he's the guy he's the Money Penny there's no there's no flirtation there's no like innuendo or anything there's there's no bullshit about him he's just this really stern scary guy and is he playing it as a PE teacher no 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 he's playing it as money, he's playing it as money penny so he's he's kind of telling bond like how to act and how to how to do things and bond's very sort of passive of it and yeah and he's just 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 a totally different take on on that character I suppose the name Money Penny is actually totally gender neutral. Like, if it was first cast as a guy, we'd be like, "That's Money Penny's a man's name." But because just because <laughs> it was a woman and because of the characters it's been, you're like, "Oh, that's a pure girl name." But actually, yeah, yeah, that could work. I like the idea of of like the first couple of episodes, like Bond and M are saying, "M will say, okay, like you you're going to see Money Penny soon, and and um and you'll get sorted out with all your stuff, and then we'll all be expecting Money Penny to be like this beautiful young woman." And then you'll go in and it's Brian Manson. Brian Manson. Yeah, so that's Money Penny. I think I really like my idea for Money Penny. I think that's uh, really good. Yeah, I like that. Um, 
I'm just I'm just glad that it's the same money penny throughout the series. <laughs> a different yeah. a different PE teacher for each. Yeah. <laughs> a different a different sport in each episode. Yeah. Um. Okay. We've got so obviously there's some American adventures. So we've got Felix Leiter, mm-hmm. and he's played by Kyle Chandler. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's a bit of an older brother type figure. Uh, what to Bond? To Bond. Yeah. I mean, he's not his actual older brother, but he's. No, um, I, 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 I know what the expression means. <laughs> um, obviously, you'll know him from things like Super Eight, from Manchester by the Sea, Game Night, stuff like that. King Kong. King Kong, yeah. I like Kyle Chandler. Yeah, same. Nice face, you know. Just seems like a nice guy. And his boss in the CIA, because it's a bit more sort of, bit more CIA involvement as we'll see in the plot. His boss is going to be played by the boss, Viola Davis. Did you say Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I was waiting for, for her to make an appearance. Had to get her in somehow. And then I was also kind of thinking maybe there's small parts for uh, maybe Bond's parents, but possibly not. I know he's obviously well, supposed to be an orphan, but... What, what, what would, how would Bond's parents be represented in the show? Not as in, like, I don't mean who would play them. I mean, like, would that be flashbacks or would, that be, would they be, like, active characters? In well, I'll, te- I'll tell you in the plot. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but there, I'm thinking they'll be played by Lenny James from like Save Me, Line of Duty, Snatch as well, um, and Naomi Harris. They'll be raging at Brian Manson for playing Moneypenny. Uh, we've still got the, so there's a, there's more more love story elements going on. Um, right. <laughs> more co-stars here. So, uh, so okay, right, yeah. So wait, right, just go. Is this going to be an eight-part episode yeah, yeah. of Bill's Is it got like a, like a different lover in every episode or something? No, 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 no. So obviously, Florence Pugh is the main, the main Bond girl from episode four or five onwards, up until that point. So at the start of episode one, he's got a girlfriend, a long-term girlfriend, played by Cynthia Erivo. That's going to be another good, good, another good one for me, unfortunately. Oh, wait, so that's, that, oh yeah, yeah she, was, um, she was on Strictly recently, uh, as yeah. a guest judge. Just as a guest judge. Um, uh, sorry, so she's John Boyega's uh, girlfriend at the beginning of the series. Yeah, at the beginning. Um, and she'll have a bit of a recurring... Although I really like Cynthia Erivo, I think she would do really well to be a big part in the series, but recurring role over the series. Otherwise, what, what, what... Oh, sorry, we'll, we'll get onto the plot afterwards. I'll stop yeah. interrupting you. I understand it will be made clear. Apologies. Yeah. And then also, one last lover... And there's going to be, there's a bit of a, a crossover here. 005 is a character played by Jack Loudon. Hey. Bring on the bisexuality. Yeah, nice. And Jack Loudon, lovely choice. Has Jack Loudon been on the show? He's not been on no. this, has he? No, no, no. no. Been a pick, I think. Jimmy, series one. Yeah, sing, sing, it rings a bell that he was a pick, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's going, to be, he's going to be a 005 little... Bit of sexual energy there with Bond. Okay. So it's double five. Okay, fine. Okay, cool. Yeah. Need this cast, man. Yeah. That's it. That's the cast. That's done. You can have no budget left or like anything at all. <laughs> it's, it's it's not even done. The cast isn't even done, Fraser. <laughs> we're still, yeah, we're still waiting. Ah, but it is. Oh, oh, right. Okay, hold on. I'm feeling a twist coming on. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. Can so, I hold on? Let, let me make a prediction. Let me, no, no, I, I won't. I won't bother. I'll just. I'll let you go on. Right, I'll, yeah, I'll, make, I'll, make a prediction. Write it down. Who do you think is the, the big baddie? Right. Well, okay. So, so, so someone from the existing cast. Right. It turns out it's the. Is the episode six or seven? 
big baddie. Right, okay, so you're your cast is complete. Right, hold on. I've got so many names in front of me. Wait, give, it, give me a second. So it's one of these names as the, the ultimate baddie. Yeah. The darling side. Right, I know who it is. I've got my guess right. Right. I, I suspect you'll probably both get it right. But here's yeah. the plot, okay? Here's the plot. And I'll try and rattle through this, but I get carried away. So as we know, there's a syndicate of baddies, one of whom is on a mission to sell weapons in the Middle East, the Israel and Palestine conflict. Bond is there at the very beginning to stop this deal from going down. Um, and Daniel Kaluuya and Florence Pugh, who are a couple at this point, they're, um, they're there with Mike Reed doing the deal. There's a big fight breaks out, big opening fight sequence. Uh, and essentially what happens is that because of Bond's actions, because he just sort of scrapes through and no more, Britain kind of gets the blame for worsening situation in the middle east so then it's all about retribution so how does he go about getting back in favor with mi6 and with his girlfriend cynthia erivo and um and his parents too because so he's exposed as an agent because of this because he's been caught on film or something doing something secret agency and that means that everybody like his parents and cynthia are in danger so he goes to Doctor Strange, asks him to do a, a memory wipe curse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, so he's got to come clean. He's got to feel the wrath of MI6. And unfortunately, his parents are killed as a result by Kaluuya. Uh, and Florence Pugh is watching on in horror as this happens. Um, Hold on, so... His, his parents are killed because he was snapped and his identity was exposed and all that. And that's the reason that his parents are dead. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So he's feeling a bit of personal remorse and a personal responsibility for that. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. The syndicate now know that he's involved and that he's trying to stop them. So they're, they just want him out. They, need, they know that he's a danger and a threat. So get him out of the picture. Kill his parents. Didn't think to you know, use his parents to lure him in or anything. Didn't think they'd take them hostage. Just just killed them, killed them straight up. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. No, these, are, these are no-nonsense gangsters, right? Yeah, this is Frank Butcher from EastEnders. Come on. Right. So now he's got, he's also at this point has now got no choice but to end things with Cynthia because he doesn't want her to be also be a casualty, which makes room for all the other lovers that come up in the rest of the series. Yeah, um, yeah. So MI6 won't touch him anymore. He's kind of personally involved and he's failed miserably at his job. So he's got no sort of, no need to keep going, I suppose, with the, the mission. No, sorry, he does have, he, he still has the sort of personal involvement and in the, the vendetta element of it. So he goes over to America where he finds his best pal, uh, Felix, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler, big brother figure. Yeah, um, who sort of takes him in. Viola Davis, who's his boss, they he, they kind of together work out a bit of a plan uh, to see the American side of the syndicate, how that's how that's going. There's stuff going on there as well, I'm sure, actiony stuff. Comes across this uh, young henchman, Jack Loudon, who it turns out is uh, an MI6 agent as well, who was sort of his replacement. Um, there's maybe a bit of you know there's a bit of a sexual thing going on there, and then while all that's happening, there's another uh, arms deal going on in the Far East. The syndicate selling weapons to China or Korea. Off we go over there via MI6, where he gets all his. He somehow he'll get reinstated, and he'll be like, okay, you're back on the mission. 
I don't know exactly. Well, uh, don't shrug your shoulders. I don't know every fucking detail, right? The whole crux of this is that he's been let go and he's had to well, go to America to drown his sorrows with his big brother. Well, there's, Maybe, four, there's four episodes up until this point, so he's going to have the retribution. Right, so you get, they bring him back in. They say, right, there's another one going down. We'll give you another shot. Don't get filmed this time, right? You don't have any, <laughs> you don't have any more parents, James. So don't, don't get filmed this time. It'll be me next. <laughs> yes, so he's restated. Right. He's 007 again. He's back on the job. Uh, yeah. Gets all everything they needs from M and Q and Money Penny, and then eventually we get to the big finale. Uh, we see the big showdown in Beijing or something. Maybe one of those cities. Maybe Seoul. Maybe Pyongyang. Um, Is this the big Gore, Gore Verbinski finale? Are we up to yes. the fight? Are we, are we right at the end now? Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking like nukes. We're talking ballistics, cyber warfare. The the wow. works. All of that stuff. It's all involved. All the while, Boyega's, Boyega's met and flipped Florence. Um, and <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and they've, fought, they've fallen in love, yeah. Um, Kaluuya will get some kind of spectacular death, maybe in it six or seven. I think Florence will probably be the one to kill him. He gets, and... an, epic, he gets an epic death. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Because he he's done the he's done the epic kill, so he needs the epic death. What about all the the, the bigger baddies? Like the like he's obviously just the henchman. Do they all die as well, or what? Or is that going to come up? Uh, I don't know actually, because I've only got one uh, paragraph left. But it'll be a lot <laughs> okay. of death. Like if you have to kill off all of the villains, then like yeah, that's four episodes gone. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe I'll do a couple of them at once. Two birds yeah. one stone, and the rest right. just just natural causes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good. I'd love for that to be the real reason why one of the main villain dies in a book film. They just have a heart attack or something. And then... <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, so, actually. Yeah. So we're in Beijing or Pyongyang or or Seoul, wherever we are for the big finale, um, and it turns out that the leader of the syndicate is none other than it's bloody Felix's boss, Viola Davis. Oh, I, <laughs> That's I, not was so, I, I was so sure it was going to be Amy Winehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I went even more obvious. I thought it was going to be Florence Pugh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Nah, they're in love. They're in love. Wait, so it was the head of the CIA that was actually the, also the head of the syndicate? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Think of the paperwork that that's going to cause. Yeah, that's complex. <laughs> And that, my dear boys, is my build a bond done. <laughs> end end of chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> and on to episode two. Wow, man. As well, I, I don't think there was I, I don't think you let us down, Fraser. Let's yeah. put it that way. I don't think um, I've given you much room to criticize. <laughs> I, I think there are loads of really good picks in there in the same way as if you give an infinite amount of monkeys, infinite time, they will write the works of Shakespeare. If you yeah. just name all of the actors, eventually, like, some of them will sound good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have, yeah, if you just have every single possible variation of director and actor, then eventually... One of them will work. One of them will be good, yeah. One of, one of them will, will deliver gold. I'm the smart monkey, so... Yeah. Uh, I, I guess... This leaves me in the in enviable position of summarizing your. Remind me again of, of how you described it: a TV series event, 
event series. Event series. TV yeah. event series. Okay. Okay. But spread out. Good luck, Stuart. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> Fraser MacArthur, your build a bond TV event series. As Bond, you have John Boyega. Playing your Bond girl, you have Florence Pugh. Your villains are Mike Reed as a sort of London gangster, Lucy Punch as a more rural but also English gangster, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the US gangster, and as their henchman, you have Daniel Kaluuya. Your directors are, for episode one and two, you have Steve McQueen. For episodes three and four, you have Alejandro G. Inarita. Inarito. Inarito. Uh, for five and six, you have Lynn Ramsey. And for seven and eight, you have Gore Verbinski. Yeah. For your theme song, should we go all eight or should we just name your one? You know what? You, let's just go for the one. Let's just yeah. do the one. For your theme song, you have Amy Winehouse. For your AOBs, you have Timothy Dalton as M. Zawe Ashton. As Q. For Money Pay, you have your former PE teacher, Brian Manson. For Felix Leiter, you have Kyle Chandler. And for his boss, the CIA boss, you have Viola Davis. As Mr. and Mrs. Bond, you have Lenny James and Naomi Harris. And as the girlfriends, you have Cynthia Arrivo. I'm playing 005. You have Jack Loudon. How does that sound? Speck bloody tacular. I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, I've had it. I've had it ready for a while. So someone would watch it in a night on Netflix, and they'd be like, "Oh, I need to watch the next one. I need to watch the next one." They come out and thinking that was brilliant. I watched all three episodes. I finished it. It was great. But when it's together as a film, they're like, "God's sake, this is taking so long. Why is it taking so long?" You know, it's it's people's you know opinions of how they view things are so inconsistent. But I think you're right to, to try and adapt it into what people want just now and watch people actually really like as the the kind of the series format um and i i, I, I like, like stuart said as well like i would I, as soon as i kind of got my head around it i actually really like the idea of, of a, a bond series um done in the way that you've done it it may have been actually a thing it might have been that sort of because i think the broccolis came out and said look we're not going to do a bond spin-off series and i think at that maybe that was the point where i was like how not maybe i could do one this next question will come as a surprise to you. We haven't prepared you for it. <laughs> you know, what are you going to call your pre- film? I haven't prepared myself for it either, and I figured I I'd let you. I'd let you guys do it. I find it hard to believe that you don't have a name lined up for this epic series. I really don't. Although I suppose it would need to be eight separate names, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I I've got some thoughts. If you want me to. Yeah, please, please, please. Uh, You could call it This Episode is Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You could call it The Format is Not Enough. (laughs) Just one pick only. You're you're losing that bet there. They're all on a theme. Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Yeah, I went down uh, a different route. I was really just focusing on... um, the 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 love interest Bond girl um for this one, so I thought with your your combined effort of having Amy Winehouse sing the song, and with what the character arc is for the Bond girl, I thought Back to Black would be a good one because of where she moves from the henchman <laughs> to uh to Bond, and I also thought maybe instead of a view to a kill, I thought 
a pew to a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that yeah, I was. Uh, uh, there's 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 too much. It, it it can't be named with one name. You know, you'd what, because, what because about, um, what about with the Amy Winehouse thing, Doctor? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Yeah. Well. Well done. Yeah. Very. Very Fraser. A very Fraser uh, addition over to the, the over, the, over the top. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a marathon, not a sprint, but we got there in the end. Yeah. I, really, I, I appreciate you both um, putting up with it for for the last two and a half hours. Yeah. Is that how long it's been? <laughs> it's been. Yeah. God, it's felt longer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you, you you were good sports. You you let me let me uh, indulge my Bond fantasies, um, and it's it's lovely to be on this side for a change. How how do you feel, Fraser? Now that it's it's all out there, it's all out. No no longer can future guests ask you, well, who would you pick for Bond? And now everyone knows exactly where you're thinking. And do you do think that your answers might change the trajectory? Of how people answer in the future on the the podcast. I'd be sure, it would be nice if they did. Um, if they did change their their opinions, and maybe somebody did come up with a series in the future. I mean, it would be probably quite exhaustive for for you and I, Stuart. But <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's um, and it feels it feels good. It feels like I've just done the biggest jobby of my life. <laughs> I wouldn't be so harsh on yourself. <laughs> and we've just listened to the biggest jolly of you. <laughs> it was uh, it, w- it was very cathartic, and it, although it's, I'm a bit sad now that it's out there. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you, Fraser. If our listeners enjoyed the episode, where can they see more of you? Listeners, you can find me on at buildabon 7 on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find me, I don't know what my Instagram is. Well, then let me find out for you. At... Fraser David MacArthur, that's F-R-A-S-E-R, David, M-C-A-R-T-H-U-R. Add me, follow me, send me a message, all that stuff. Send me a message you want to be on the, on, on the Build-A-Bond. Send Build-A-Bond a message you want to be on the Build-A-Bond. Send a message if you want Taggy Checks to be on your Build-A-Bond. Yeah, I, I second that. It's um, I'm getting I'm getting too used to being part of it now. I think I'd be I'd be devastated to to be frozen out. Um, yeah, thanks. As as yeah, obviously it's been it's been nice being on this side of it. I've loved working with Stuart. Love not having to have such a um su- such a good cop um frontage on whilst whilst giving our feedback on your your choices. But I think you knew that you knew that would be the case anyway. And you wouldn't you wouldn't want someone to pander to it because this is. Your builder bond is one that you want to really hear our opinions on, and you'll want to hear the opinions of the listeners on because it is so out there. Absolutely, yeah. Even well, if you about, even if it is about my hairline, <laughs> if you have constructive <laughs> constructive criticism for Fraser, you know where to get us. Builder bond 007, Twitter, Instagram. We would love to hear your thoughts. And Fraser, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Wowie, we got Wowie and Zowie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did we? I don't know. I feel like I'm still in it. That was a, <laughs> that was that was a, an epic, uh, an epic story, and really, yeah, to- totally new territory for for Build a Bond. Um, 
n- nothing less than we'd expect from the irreplaceable Fraser MacArthur. Yeah, here's the thing, you know, out of all the guests we've ever had on, Fraser, I guess myself as well, we've had the most time to think about this, right? Because every episode we're hearing all these suggestions and we're going, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, I hate that idea. We've had it like stewing in our brains for however long. So there's no surprise that the stew that came out of uh, Fraser was uh, pretty, di- pretty diverse, pretty elaborate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, uh, you know, as, as, as I suppose when, when you're a fan of James Bond and when you've already seen every possible variation that there can be you've seen you've heard every possible actor you've seen every storyline already in the films that have gone past you've seen silly you've seen you know the different genres that the films can be and you don't just want to do another version of that you want to do something that's going to make it stand out and I think Fraser Fraser's version of his Bond has achieved that really well and and the most Fraser MacArthur way possible so I was I was really I'm totally on board with it If, if that ever comes to comes to production i would definitely definitely go and watch it yeah and it's been a pleasure Taggy, to hang out with you and get a chance to do uh, a little bit of presenting the podcast with uh, with yourself it's been a lot of fun so thanks very much for your time thank you thank you so much for having me you know as, as i always say i'm i'm delighted to to get involved with the build podcast and it's it's been nice being able to you know I've, I've done the one where i've i've been with both of you guys i've done one with just fraser now i've done one with you stuart so i'm, I'm slowly working my way up the the quality levels <laughs> of the, the co-hosting um but no yeah listen it's it's, it's been a great episode obviously I, I, and it's, be, I, it's been great to be part of such a special episode for fraser doing his build up on so yeah thanks thanks again for for having me on it's, it has been super special and before we let you go i did ask a little bit of a quiz question at the start and i'm not going to let you go until i hear your answer you did you did and um yeah obviously the question being who is fraser mccarthy Fraser MacArthur's um, favourite Bond of all time and there was there was two names in my head that jumped out and I think it's between these two names and if it's not between these two names then I've, I'll just be completely shown up for being a, a total fraud. Um, the one that stuck out in my head and I really hope that it is right and it's not the one that he mentioned in the podcast but I think his favourite is George Lazenby. No, I think his favourite is Timothy Dalton. Damn it! God damn it! I have I had both of those names. I knew it was between Timothy. I, I knew that he loved Timothy Dalton, and that he's mentioned in previous ones. He loves seeing him in um, Hot Fuzz, and that he's he, he's the biggest fanboy of Timothy Dalton. But for some reason, I just thought I thought that he'd said that George Lazenby was his favourite. But obviously, he's just been mentioned in other positive lights. So, uh, uh gosh, right, right, that's it. Time's up. Um, and, um, and so that's the last we'll ever hear from you, Taggy. Unfortunately, sorry, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. You know, if, if I wanted to keep being part of the podcast, I would have got that right. So maybe this is just you know self-inflicted uh, agony. Um, yeah, no, right. Well, no, we, no, we know. No, we all know. And I, I know the listeners know for sure that it was not George Lazerby, Timothy Dalton. If that ever comes up in a pub quiz question, just <laughs> yeah. <down> the line. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. If anyone did get that, let us know. Um, thank you very much for listening to this incredibly special episode. It's been a long time in the making. I know people have been badgering us online to do this episode, so I hope it lived up to all your expectations. Thanks again to Matthew Taggart for his co-hosting skills. Thank you to Fraser MacArthur for his excellent guest work. Uh, and thank you to myself for whatever I did. 
<laughs> yes, and, 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 and thank you and thank you to Stuart for also co-hosting and for giving Fraser the, the roasting that he deserves on that ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous choice. It felt good. Um, I won't lie, it felt really good. Um, so thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, I am feeling nervous now because it's my turn next. So in the next few weeks, keep your ears peeled. Uh, it'll be me in the hot seat. Uh, and I promise you it will be shorter. Oh, <laughs> ha,